You're listening to the Overcast. Sunshine on a cloudy day. Part of the Oversoul Gaming Channel. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Overcast, the podcast focused on fun. I'm your host, Oversoul, bringing you sunshine on a cloudy day. How's everyone doing? So this isn't my first attempt at this, but it's the first one you'll be hearing. So, inspired by good friend and loyal fan Oscar, a.k.a. Omega, when I asked a bunch of you for things, new things you'd like to see me do on the channel, something different, something, you know, outside of my normal Let's Plays, one of the recommendations I got was from him, and it was about, you know, maybe like a little peek behind the curtain with Oversoul, you know, what kind of movies you've been watching, and, you know, stuff like that, you know, your thoughts on certain subjects, and yada yada. And I, uh, I decided to take that idea and turn it into a podcast. So here we are with the official first episode. I actually recorded two pilots in the same day, didn't like either of them, completely scrapped them, and re-recorded as this. So this podcast is basically going to be like a chill, laid-back, fun experience, a conversation with your buddy Oversoul. The first half of the podcast will be the media corner, where I talk about my favorite things that I've been watching, playing, listening to, etc. lately. And then the second half of the episode will be the topic of discussion. And today's topic is character development, which is going to be brought to you into two pieces. In the first part of it, I'm going to talk a little more seriously about, like, developing myself as a person. You know, like, uh, like being better, going into 2023 with goals to, like, improve who I am as an individual. But then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the best character development in media. So we'll see how this first episode goes, and if you guys like it, I will definitely continue to do it. And I'm hoping to have guests in future episodes. In fact, I've already talked to my brother, Inky Lumberjack, about doing an episode discussing God of War Ragnarok. And he said he is totally down for it. He just finished the game himself recently, so we would be able to do an episode where we both talk about it in non-spoiler context at first, and then in the later half of the episode, with a warning, we would move on to spoilers. So that's just one of many ideas I actually have floating around for this podcast. And if there's any particular topics of discussion that you would like me to tackle, let me know in the comments down below, and I'll add it to the list. So with all that in mind, and now that you know what this is about, let's move on to the media corner. Welcome to the media corner where I talk about some of the games, music, movies, and or TV shows that I've been enjoying recently. We're going to start with music today and my all-time favorite band, The Gorillas. They have a new album coming out called Cracker Island. They've released four singles for the album already, and I've enjoyed most of them, especially New Gold. That's been my jam lately. Gorillas have been around for quite a while, and they're still pumping music out. They released their first album in 2002, and they've been going strong ever since. Back in 2005, they released an album called Demon Days that was about the war in Iraq. And in 2007, I want to say, they released an album called Plastic Beach, which was about pollution. Correction, Plastic Beach was released in 2010. And I don't know why, but for some reason I've been listening to a lot of epic rap battles of history lately. It's probably because they released a new song a couple months ago, and every time they do that, it gets me back into them for a while. But for those who don't know, it's a comedy music channel on YouTube run by Nice Peter and Epic Lloyd, where they basically pit historical figures, celebrities, and fictional characters against each other in rap battles. Part of the reason I like it so much is because it's roast comedy, and it reminds me of the Comedy Central roasts when they used to do those. 
but also because they're just really good lyricists. These things are very creative and well-produced and well-done. Like, these are studio-quality productions. But to give you an example of what I'm talking about, the most recent one that they did was Indiana Jones versus Laura Croft, and one of the lines was, Let's cut to the chase. Oh, wait, he died. I guess you couldn't tap the attics in time. And this is what you call a multi-layered reference, and that's why I love it so much. So when he said, let's cut to the chase, oh wait, he died, obviously they're using the phrase, let's cut to the chase, but it's a play on words. Chase was one of Laura's boyfriends in one of the novels who died. Um, thus making him now her ex-boyfriend, which leads into the next line, I guess you couldn't tap that ex in time, which is obviously referencing tapping being a metaphor for sex in this case, you know. She basically didn't get to sleep with him before he died, so she didn't get to tap her ex in time, but also it's a reference to how the new Tomb Raider games have quick time events, so it's re referencing the actual X button on the controller, and most often in these games if you fail the quick time event you end up dying, so if you don't tap X in time, you die. So it's a nice little layered reference. And then he moves on to say, From the bandicoot to your family's playing in asses, kid, you got a tragic history of a crash. So that's a reference to Laura's family dying in a plane crash, obviously, but also the fact that Crash Bandicoot on the PlayStation 1 outsold Tomb Raider on the PlayStation 1. But anyways, outside of lo-fi video game music, that's pretty much what I've been enjoying lately on the music front. Let's talk about Vigi games, because that's my specialty. Over on the PlayStation front, we have Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Falling somewhere between a remake and a remaster, this game has been a lot of fun. So it's a prequel to Final Fantasy VII, for those who don't know. In this game, you get to see how Cloud got the Buster Sword from Zack. You get to see the Nibelheim incident and how Sephiroth turned evil and a bunch of other things that lead up to and are very important to the overall narrative of Final Fantasy VII. And with the second entry in the Final Fantasy VII Remake trilogy on the horizon, they could not have chose a better time to put this out. Because even though the Final Fantasy VII Remake follows a new timeline because of time travel stuff, I do believe that this game still serves as a prequel to the beginning stages of that story anyways. So whether you're a fan of the original Final Fantasy VII, or if the remake was your introduction to the series, if you haven't experienced Crisis Core, you definitely need to. Over on the Xbox, I've been playing this game by Justin Roiland called High on Life. Now, if you aren't familiar, Justin Roiland is the creator, one of the main creators behind Rick and Morty. He also voices Rick and Morty. The other creator is Dan Harmon. Justin created a video game development company a while back called Squanch Games, and they've been responsible for pumping out titles like Accounting Plus and Trover Saves the Universe, both of which were VR games. But this new entry is decidedly not a VR game, it's more of a Doom or Metroid Prime style shooter with some Metroidvania elements. In the game, an alien cartel is traveling from planet to planet, kidnapping and trafficking other alien species and selling them as drugs. Apparently, there are some alien species that you are able to get high off of their life essence, hence the name of the game, High on Life. So when the cartel finds out that humans provide the best high, they set their sights on Earth, and you, as a human, are now a bounty hunter with a talking alien gun companion, going from planet to planet taking down major players in the cartel. 
It's a really fun and well-developed game with a creative and interesting narrative. The problem is it's a Justin Roiland-developed game, so there's a lot of that kind of Justin Roiland humor in it and characters that talk and talk and talk and talk. And if you're not a fan of that and a fan of Justin Roiland's style of humor, then you're not going to like this game, regardless of how well it's made. And if you like other games of its ilk, if you find him annoying, you will not enjoy this. So let's talk about movies for a second. 2022 was a great year for horror movies. And at first, I wanted to recommend Bodies, 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 and Smile, which I'm still technically recommending, but these are movies that the less you know about going into them, the better. So instead, I'm going to talk about The Black Phone, which was another horror movie that came out last year that was really good. So this is a horror movie based on a short story by Stephen King, and basically, in it, Ethan Hawke plays a creepy guy in a mask that's kidnapping children. And when the main protagonist of our story gets kidnapped, he ends up in this guy's basement, and he starts seeing ghosts of this guy's previous victims. And these ghosts are trying to help him escape so that he doesn't become one of them. It's a very well-made and, I would argue, accessible horror movie because it's absent of a lot of the usual horror stuff that keeps people who don't like horror away from it, you know? It's pretty light on the jump scares. It doesn't have, like, a whole lot of gore or anything, but what it does have is a lot of tension. It's a very intense movie with a lot of uncomfortable scenes. So, you know, content warning if you decide to watch this, there are scenes involving 80s bullying that involves a lot of homophobic slurs and stuff like that. Uh, there is some child abuse stuff in there, and just some overall general scenes of intensity. But it was a well-done movie that you should definitely check out, especially because of the phenomenal performance by Ethan Hawke. A movie I watched more recently on Netflix is Glass Onion. This is the second movie in the Knives Out mystery series, and the only character returning from the first one is Daniel Craig's detective character Blanc. I really enjoyed this movie, but I would argue that as far as a murder mystery goes, the first one is actually better in that department. And the twist at the end of the first movie is definitely more jaw-dropping, if you ask me. But, this movie was a lot of fun. I would say overall it's more funny than the first one. And I would argue maybe even more entertaining overall. Everyone in the cast does phenomenal. There's a couple of MCU veterans in here, like Drax, Agatha, and Not Hulk. And the movie in and of itself has one of the best bad guy gets their comeuppance moments I've ever seen in a movie. Overall it was a nice, fun, solid entry and I can't wait to see the next one. I don't have any recommendations for TV shows at the moment because I've actually just mostly been catching up on stuff that I'm behind on, but I would like to talk about a couple of YouTube channels. I know I already mentioned Epic Rec Battles of History, but I'm counting them as music. So obviously I'm a fan of Let's Plays, I wouldn't be making them if I wasn't, and I know some of you are too because you wouldn't be watching me if you weren't. So I'd like to recommend Game Grumps. They're one of my favorite Let's Play channels. I actually recently got back into them because I was looking to watch someone play Danganronpa and it turns out they're one of the only few Let's Players I'm aware of that actually did those games. <laughs> The channel consists of two friends, Aaron, a.k.a. Eagle Raptor, and Dan, a.k.a. Danny Sexbang, of Ninja Sex Party. At one point, the two of them actually got together and made a band called Starbomb, which was like the Lonely Island of video games. And they ended up making three albums before they retired that project. I actually made the music video for their song, The Simple Plot of Kingdom Hearts. That was probably one of the highlights of my YouTube journey, if I'm being honest. I really enjoyed making that. But if you want to see some of the funniest stuff that these two have done, 
I highly recommend watching their playthroughs of game show games like Wheel of Fortune and Family Feud. Just trust me on this. It is hilarious. Also, I've been digging a lot into CinemaSins lately. Like, a lot more than I used to. Especially because over the past couple of years, I discovered that they had a podcast. Or several podcasts, actually. And things have changed a bit since I started listening, but they have been pumping out some quality YouTube videos lately. So like a lot of people, when I first started watching CinemaSins, I mistakenly thought that it was just like one angry guy in his basement complaining about movies. But over time of watching the videos, listening to the podcast, and following them on social media, I've come to learn that CinemaSins is actually like a whole team made up of like eight or nine people. And on top of several podcasts, they're also running three different YouTube channels because they also have TV Sins and Commercial Sins, and it's all the same people. Each one has their own distinct narrator, and the narrator is a fictional character played by one of the cast members. Jeremy, Chris, Aaron, Danae, Daniel, Jonathan, Ian, and so on. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone, but... They are all great, fun people with their own distinct personalities and stuff, so they're always bringing something new to the table in terms of the content that this channel is pouring out. There's a common misconception that they're focused on cynicism and negativity, but actually, CinemaSins is a comedy channel. What they're doing is a form of satire. Kind of like how It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is satirizing bad people by making the characters, like, over-the-top bad people. CinemaSins is sort of satirizing nitpicky movie watchers by being nitpicky. <laughs> you can tell that it's tongue-in-cheek because often when they can't find anything actually wrong with the movie to talk about, they'll point out silly shit like there's too many lamps in this scene, for example. <laughs> and a lot of movies, they actually end up taking sins off for things that they do right. So CinemaSins is a fantastic group of funny, forward-thinking individuals who all really love movies. They just also happen to love making fun of the movies that they love. <laughs> And I can completely understand and enjoy that, because I love Kingdom Hearts, it's my all-time favorite game franchise, but when I did Let's Plays of it, I spent a better portion of it just ripping it to shreds from a comedic perspective. Just making fun of the Disney and anime cliches and stuff. Because believe it or not, you can make fun of something you like, and still like it. But anyways, that's all I had for you on the Media Corner for this episode. Now let's move on to today's topic, shall we? Open up! It's time for the pill! So on this first episode of The Overcast, our topic is going to be character development. And we're going to split that into two parts. So first, I'm going to talk about some of the things I learned last year that can be used towards bettering myself as a person this year. And then I'm going to talk about some character development from a couple pieces of media. So 2022 was kind of a rough year, and I definitely learned a lot. And one thing I've been working on since, like, 2019 that I'm continuing to work on now and still have a long road ahead of me is self-esteem and confidence. I admittedly used to be a doormat. I would very often let people just kind of get away with whatever they wanted for the sake of maintaining the peace. And this extended to, like, friends and relationships and all kinds of stuff. But over the past few years, I've learned and have started living by a very simple rule of life. Do no harm, but take no shit. Now let me break that down a little bit. So what it basically means is that you're allowed to do whatever you want. You know, anything and everything you want to do, you can and are allowed to do as long as you are not hurting yourself, you're not hurting anyone else, you're not hurting anything or you're not breaking any rules. 
So that's where the opposite end of it comes in, the take no shit part. That's the part that says when people are not following the first rule and they start doing you harm, then you have the right to stand up for yourself and not take their shit. Because once somebody starts doing harm to other people, that's when they lose the right to do whatever they want. And this can be a difficult thing to implement because if you are the type of person who spent most of your life being a doormat or letting people walk all over you, the moment that you start standing up for yourself and being assertive, people will take issue with it because it's change and people don't like change. Now there's a new version of you that they have to get used to. It's like they have to get reacquainted with you all over again and they're pissy about it. Or they're just mad because they can't control you or push you around anymore. And this often leads to people trying to gaslight and emotionally manipulate you into thinking that you're somehow in the wrong for standing up for yourself. Now there is something to be said about picking your battles. You should be very careful about that. And that's another thing that I'm trying to learn too. I will admit, I have wasted hours of my life arguing with strangers on the internet over things that they're never going to change their mind about. I'm trying to get better about it these days, and it's still hard to not do it sometimes. One of the improvements I'm working on making. But I realize that time is a valuable commodity, more valuable than money. And once it's been wasted, you cannot get it back. So one of the things I've been working on is picking my battles, and I've decided that a battle I should not be picking is with strangers on the internet. But when it comes to friends family, relationship partners, that kind of stuff, if you feel like you're being mistreated by people you care about, then you have every right as a battle that you have every right to pick. Because anyone who truly cares about you would not intentionally do you harm. And this is where another difficult life lesson comes in, and it's another one I've had to learn personally. There are some people that even when you bring to them the concern that they are hurting you, when you explain to them that their actions have caused you harm, they may or may not be reciprocating of it. They may try to use emotional manipulation tactics by turning it around on you and saying things like, you're too soft. And so, this is where the hard lesson comes in. In these situations, you have an unfortunate choice to make. The hardest lesson I've had to learn over the past couple of years is that you cannot control what other people do, you can only control how you react to it. And that goes hand in hand with setting boundaries. See, everyone has the right to set boundaries. But here's the thing about that. Boundaries are not rules and regulations that you set for other people. They are limitations that you set for yourself. Because you can't control what other people do. You can only control how you react to it. Well, then it falls on you to become the arbiter of your own peace. At that point, you have to choose to remove yourself from the situation or remove that person from your life or whatever you have to do for the sake of your own mental health and self-care. Because if the people around you are not willing to make changes for the better or stop doing things that are causing you harm, then you have to be the one to make the change. You have to cut toxic people out of your life and do what's best for you. Sometimes it's okay to be selfish for the sake of self-care. So through multiple experiences that I've had over the past several years, these are all harsh life lessons that I've had to learn. And although the fallout from some of these situations was less than ideal, I feel like I came out of all of them ultimately a better person in the end. But I still have a long road ahead of me. I'm trying to work harder on implementing these things. Implementing the do no harm but take no shit. And you can't control what others do, you can only control how you react to it. And boundaries aren't rules for others, they are limitations for yourself. These are three things that I've been trying to implement into my everyday life. Just rules that I've been trying to live by. 
to help better myself as a person and reach a level of enlightenment and inner peace that I can be happy with. I mean, because let's be honest, the world is falling apart around us and it's just going to continue to do so. But instead of choosing to live in cynicism, negativity, and chaos, we could be choosing to be more positive. And I know it's hard because life is hard and everybody has their problems. There's financial issues. There's the kind of stuff I talked about, you know. Sometimes it feels like everything that can go wrong will go wrong. But being cynical, being pessimistic is a choice. It's a conscious decision. And so I have chosen to try and work on redistributing my energy into things that actually matter into important things. I'm trying not to sweat the small stuff anymore. I was letting silly things like strangers on the internet and customers at my jobs and stuff like that just get to me way more than they should have. But it's honestly a waste of energy to be upset about that stuff. It's a waste of energy to argue with these people. It's better just to move on and redistribute that energy into something productive because ultimately these people do not matter. And of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm still working on my self-esteem and confidence. That's something that I've been working on for a while. I do have a terrible problem with needing reassurance sometimes. I'm always wondering what people are thinking. Sometimes I just assume that someone is annoyed at me, even though they're not, even though it's completely unrelated to me. It's a different issue that they're having. I just caught them at a bad time or whatever, and the way that they react, I tend to take personal. And that's something that I'm also trying to work on. While simultaneously understanding how I feel when that happens, I am too also trying to be aware of how I come across when I'm in a bad mood and working on how I react to things people tell me. But I'm also trying to get better about how I word things, because wording matters and sometimes if you don't word something correctly that can throw people off, or it can lead to misinterpretation, especially through text. But I'm also trying to work on not over-explaining things so much. I have this tendency to over-explain things, and especially when I get excited about stuff, because one of my love languages is info-dumping. So some people might get longer-than-reasonable messages from me when I start playing a new game or something I want to tell them about it. Like, oh, this is so exciting. I basically send them a whole review in one message, and that's a bit much. Because I know it takes energy to read that. So that's something I've been trying to work on as well. Now these are obviously just personal goals that I've set for myself, but I feel like if more and more people implemented these very basic concepts into their life, I do believe that the world overall could be a better place, and a lot of people, if they started implementing these concepts, would probably see some significant increases in the quality of their mental health. But of course, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not here to give that advice. I'm just telling you what works for me. You're welcome to try it or not. Different strokes for different folks and all that. That's why therapists take different approaches with each client because everybody's situation has to be handled differently. But it's not bad advice, especially the do no harm, take no shit part. That one, regardless of therapy or not, is one that just pretty much everyone should be living by. That should just be a general rule of life that applies to everyone. So now that I've covered that part of the topic, I want to talk about character development in media. and how Because I've noticed in a lot of more media over recent years, story writers have focused more and more on developing characters in a way that changes them for the better. You know, and I think it just goes hand in hand with a lot of the movements that we have for like mental health awareness and stuff like that. Um, game developers, story writers, stuff like that, they get older, they have kids after a while. 
and it ultimately just kind of like changes their perspective on things. So the first character I want to talk about in this aspect is Kratos from the God of War franchise. And do not worry if you haven't played God of War Ragnarok, I will not be talking about that. There will be no spoilers here. I'm talking specifically about the shift in character between Kratos in the old games and Kratos in the new games. In the older God of War games, Kratos was tricked into killing his wife and child by Ares, and he ends up seeking revenge on him. When he kills Ares, he becomes the new God of War, but he becomes too powerful, and the gods become afraid of him. So they try to take his power away and kill him, which he survives, and ends up going on another vengeance quest to kill all the gods. But here's the thing. Kratos in these old games, all he cared about was revenge and sex. Sex and revenge, those were the two things on his mind. But Kratos came from a difficult past. Being a Spartan, at a very, very young age, he was ripped from his family and forced into the army, went through brutal training. If you've seen 300, you probably know what I'm talking about. And see, the thing is, on his quest for vengeance, Kratos didn't care who he screwed over. He had a goal in mind, and he was going to accomplish it no matter what. Kratos fuels the anger of the Titans and gets them to join him on his vengeance quest against the gods, only to end up betraying them and killing them himself. Kratos kills Poseidon and causes the oceans to rise. He kills Helios and causes the sun to disappear. He kills Hades and opens the underworld, and so on and so forth, until he finally reaches Zeus and kills him too, essentially slaughtering the entire Greek pantheon. Then he turns and looks out over the world that he's doomed, and realizes that he's a monster and attempts to unalive himself. But Kratos survives and basically jumps ship into a new reality. So in God of War 2018, you fast forward a long time, and Kratos has a new kid, and he has a wife who's recently passed away. And these things have changed him as a person. In hindsight, he's looked back on his past and realized that he was a vengeance-fueled monster, a Spartan-trained killing machine. But he got a second chance at a wife and child, and this time he wants to do it right. So he's made changes as a person, changes that a lot of people would say make him soft now, but I would say they make him mature. Sometimes people mistake growing up for becoming soft. I would say being fueled by revenge and slaughtering a bunch of people in cold blood basically makes you a bad person. So it's weird to me that people would be resistant to a character switch to where instead of being a vengeance-fueled edgelord, Kratos is now a responsible adult. This, in my eyes, actually makes him a better character. And I love the old God of War games, I do. From a combat perspective, they're actually better than the new ones. But from a story and character development perspective, the new ones are far superior. Kratos is a lot more likable now, and there are several times in the newer games where you'll see him controlling his anger when it comes to trying to be better for his son. He will start screaming at him, but he will catch himself, and he'll breathe, and then he'll repeat the same line, but in a more calm manner. Kratos has found a way in these newer games to exemplify masculinity without toxicness. In the old games, he had what we would call toxic masculinity, but in these new games, he is a good father and a good man without being an asshole. But he could still absolutely kick your ass from here to Niflheim if he had to. It seems like Kratos has learned a very harsh life lesson because of the actions of his past, and it's caused him to change his perspectives on some things. Kratos is still clearly haunted by the actions of his past, 
and realizes that there's nothing that he can really do to atone for the horrible things that he's done. But what he can do is make a better future for his son. What he can do is teach his son to be a better person than he was. And it doesn't absolve him of the consequences of his actions of the past in the process. I think that's a very well-written way to do it. Now, another piece of character development I'd like to talk about isn't specifically about any one particular character themselves, but actually about a show as a whole, and that show is South Park. Now, if you're familiar with the show, obviously you know that it is raunchy. It focuses almost primarily on shock value humor and seeing how many curse words 10-year-olds can get away with. South Park has been infamous for doing crazy things, and a lot of their episodes have not aged well. However, as time has gone on, the show's creators, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, have gotten older. I can tell you from experience, once you hit your 30s, your perspective on things starts to change a little. Life kind of hits you harder, and it makes you a little more subdued and matured. And I think that's exactly what happened with these guys. Because they started this show back in the 90s, I want to say, when they were in their early 20s. And the whole point was like, let's just see how stupid and offensive we can be. But since then, the show has evolved into a more serialized, satirical take on real life. It's like holding a funhouse mirror up to reality. Because reality has gotten so ridiculous that the only show that can truly satirize it is South Park. Now, granted, because the show's creators basically sit in the center of the field on a political spectrum, the show does still tackle issues on both sides of the aisle, and I don't always necessarily agree with the message of the episodes. That being said, however, it seems as though the show's creators have humbled themselves to a degree, and I would like to use a few episodes from recent seasons as examples of this. So some of you may remember the infamous man-bear-pig episode from way back when. Uh, South Park used this as a metaphor for global warming, and they were using it to make fun of Al Gore. It's back when Al Gore was trying to warn us about global warming, and we should have listened. But South Park didn't think so. South Park thought that he was just being ridiculous, and they made fun of him with man-bear-pig. Well, fast forward several, several years later, and Matt and Trey have basically admitted that they were wrong about global warming. And as such, they have written it into the story of South Park. In recent years, they actually brought man-bear-pig back. And when man-bear-pig comes back, the boys on the show seek out the help of none other than Al Gore, who insists that they give him an apology before he helps them. It's the show's way of admitting that they were wrong and he was right. But, of course, they still poke fun at him for being a little pretentious about it. And one of the funniest parts of this whole episode is when they are making fun of climate change deniers. There's a scene where a couple is sitting in a restaurant, and Man Bear Pig, which again is a stand-in for global warming, is going around slaughtering a bunch of people. And the guy talking to his girlfriend, has his back to Man Bear Pig, and he says something along the lines of, you know, I'm just saying there's not enough scientific evidence to prove that Man Bear Pig is even real. Honestly, I think it's a bunch of hearsay. And meanwhile, Man Bear Pig is literally slaughtering people right behind him. And his girlfriend points this out, and he looks behind him, and he sees Man Bear Pig slaughtering people, and he's like, Okay, so Man Bear Pig is real, but what are we supposed to do about it now? <laughs> you know, and it's just perfect, like, satire. That is how you do satire. Because they are mocking people who are vehemently denying scientific facts. 
they're basically saying that people are watching global warming happening right in front of them and still somehow denying it exists. That's just one of the more clever jokes in the show, I think. Overall, Matt and Trey have made a lot of noticeable changes to the show in recent years that I think kind of exemplifies the fact that they have changed as people and they want that to be reflected in their art. So a few notable examples are they wrote Mr. Hankey out of the story, like they completely got rid of him in an episode that was a direct parody of The Problem with Apu from The Simpsons. They changed Tolkien's name to Tolkien, so they changed it. They basically retconned his name so that the entire time his name always has been Tolkien, as in J.R.R. Tolkien, the writer of Lord of the Rings. Turns out his dad is a huge fan of the books and just named him after the writer. But see, not all fans have been accepting of these changes, much like with Kratos changing from violent to subdued, some people think that the show's writers are getting soft. Or that the show is censoring itself for the sake of not being cancelled. But that's not true. This is South Park we're talking about. In fact, they had an entire season where their tagline was hashtag cancel South Park. They actively tried to get cancelled for a whole season and couldn't. This is the show where they were willing to depict animated versions of Muhammad even though they got death threats and the only reason they couldn't is because Comedy Central themselves wouldn't let them but the writers did not give a fuck. So believe me when I say that these changes that, the, that they are making to the show are a personal choice and not influenced by outside sources. But a lot of fans have been resistant to it. They say the show's not funny anymore because it's following a storyline now, like a cohesive storyline and focusing on that more than the comedy. But what they really mean is that the show is not focusing on a certain type of humor anymore. It doesn't appeal to them because the type of comedy changed. It went from being a shock value show to a satire show. And Matt and Trey have actually directly responded to these complaints in the show a couple of times. The first time they did it was when they did an episode called Not Funny. In the episode, Kyla's watching an episode of Terrence and Philip with his friends, and he finds that while they're all laughing at it, he suddenly doesn't find it funny anymore. He no longer sees the humor in fart jokes and people being shit on. And in the episode, Kyle has a lot of self-reflection moments where he's starting to realize that he really just doesn't find the value in crass, hurtful humor anymore. But personally, I think the changes that they've made are for the better. I think the show is the best that it's been in a long time. I think that the show has evolved in a way that it that its comedy is now smarter than it used to be. Because personally, I don't think there's anything smart about juvenile fart jokes and shock value humor. I mean, for a show that basically made fun of Family Guy by saying all the writers were manatees in a tank pushing balls around, they basically resorted to Family Guy-style humor a lot. They just made it more offensive. <laughs> but now the show is basically satirical social commentary, and that is a type of comedy that I can enjoy. I've always enjoyed the show, if I'm being honest, but now when certain older episodes come up, I either skip them completely or I cringe a lot when watching them. I may have enjoyed that shit in my youth, but as I've grown up, the show has also grown up with me, and clearly neither one of us are fans of the old stuff. In fact, I think there's actually an interview out there that you can find where one of the writers, I think maybe Trey, says that... If he had his way, he would go back and erase the first three seasons of the show from existence. I think they say that the, se the show didn't really start getting good until about season five, and I can agree with that. 
but in more recent years is where it really stands out to me. They even created a whole episode based on fan art. There was a bunch of fans out there that created a bunch of fan fiction art of the characters Tweak and Craig being in a relationship with each other, and they actually made an episode around that and asked the fans to send in their fan art, and they put the fan art in the episode, and they canonically put Tweak and Craig into a relationship with each other. The episode was basically a joke about shipping characters and fan fiction, but they what they were basically making fun of, they ended up turning it canon. <laughs> and this relationship is later brought back in what I consider one of the best South Park episodes ever made, an episode called Put It Down, where Tweak is freaking out because President Garrison, who was a parody of Trump at the time, was tweeting insults to China and Korea, and he was afraid that Garrison was going to get them nuked, and he was freaking out, and Craig was trying his best to just keep him calm. But the episode is actually a PSA on distracted driving, because as people are driving, they're reading the tweets that the president is putting out, and they're distracted, so they're running over kids and killing them. And at the very end of the episode, they basically break the fourth wall with a musical number that is a direct message to Trump himself telling him to put his phone down, get the fuck off Twitter, and do what a president is supposed to do. And that episode, if I remember correctly, was actually nominated for an Emmy. I think mainly because of that musical number at the end. If you ever watch even just one South Park episode in your entire life, it should be that one. Put it down, or at the very least, look up the song from the end of the episode. Although the show isn't completely free of its old ways, it still has some raunchy and shock value humor every now and then. But in a lot of ways, it has changed. But anyways, that's all I have for that topic, and now I'd like to hear your thoughts and your takes. So in the comments down below, please let me know, what are some of your favorite character redemption arcs? Or just, like, changes over time? Or what are some of your favorite shows that have changed over time in a way that you enjoy, a way that you appreciate? You know... Stuff like that. Let me know in the comments down below, and I'll read your answers on the next episode. But anyways, thanks for sticking with me through this first episode. I hope it was enjoyable and not too rough. If you have any concerns, questions, comments, feedback, ideas, please, you can leave them in the comments below. You can email them to me at mroversoul53 at gmail.com. That's M-R-O-V-E-R-S-O-U-L-5-3 at gmail.com. Or you can direct message me on Twitter at Oversoul53, that's O-V-E-R-S-O-U-L-5-3. If you enjoyed this, be sure to feed the algorithm by clicking that like button. In the next episode, I'll be introducing a new segment for reading people's comments and emails if you would like to send those to me, if you have anything to add to this episode's topic. But until then, thanks for watching and or listening, and I'll catch you in the Let's Plays. Bye bye